Well, how many of you have seen uh, the, this individual? We have a little image here. How many of you have seen this person in the news this week? Come on. Hey. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't watch the news. This is Zayla Avant-Gardner. Avant-Garde, I'm sorry. And she actually is from the West Bank. Hello. Come on. She's from Harvey. And if you don't know the story, this, uh, this girl, 14 years old, won the National Spelling Bee this week. Amazing. Uh, first Louisiana individual ever to win and first African-American to ever win the, the National Spelling Bee, the Scripps Howard National Spelling Bee. It's a big deal. This spelling bee is like, it's been going on a long time. And I've been kind of following her story. Come on, she just lights the room up. Man, amazing. And, and she got offered a full scholarship from LSU yesterday and, and from Southern University. Yep. She's got uh, university presidents just tweeting out to her and saying, hey, full ride if you want it. And they're like just praying that she'll come to their schools, right? Amazing. And I was watching some, uh, some clips about her this week, and she said actually that this ain't even her main thing. Like, ba- basketball is actually what she does, she said. Like, she, said, she actually said, basketball is what I do, which, by the way, she holds three Guinness World Records for basketball. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I feel like I really need to get my life in order. This girl, 14, three Guinness World Records, National Spelling Bee champion, full ride offer. By the way, she won 50K in the Spelling Bee. That's a nice little uh, bonus. But she said, uh, yeah, I spell on the side, but basketball is what I do. And her three Guinness World Records speak to that. And she is like a a highly touted basketball prospect. She wants to play in the WNBA. Anybody doubt that she could do that? I don't, right? And she said, yeah, spelling is what I do on the side. I, I practice like nine hours a day. What? How many hours does she practice basketball? Like, that's your side deal, and she practices up to nine hours a day. Does this girl even sleep or what? Like, that's crazy, right? And uh, I just thought, man, that level of commitment and dedication and training is why she's a champion, right? Like, nine hours a day gets you something, right? That gets you uh, a, a level of excellence that you don't get without any training. Now, You may not have known this, but uh, your pastor was a pretty prestigious spelling bee winner uh, back in the day. Yeah, I know. Now, look, I didn't ever hold up that trophy and win the national spelling bee. But for real, I want to tell you, I just want to share because it just helps us understand God's word. This is not tooting my own horn or anything like that. But I was a spelling bee champion as well in sixth grade. I won my, my English classroom spelling bee. I won my, come on, hold on, hold on. That ain't even it. Then I won the spelling bee in the school where all the champions from every classroom come together and you have a spelling bee. In sixth grade, y'all, this was uh, six through eight. I was young. I won the whole school. Yeah, I did that, sixth grade, okay? Then watch now. Then you move on to the regional spelling bee. So they pull all these good spellers from the surrounding counties. Won that thing. I was like, man, I'm kind of good at this. Okay. And, and so then they send me to St. Louis. I grew up in the Midwest and they have this big spelling bee, like top 60 spellers from Illinois and Missouri come together. And my, my first year there, I was the first person out. That was embarrassing. 
I had all my family, all my people there. They drove to St. Louis to see me spell. I was out before it even started. Done. But you know what? That motivated me. I was like, okay, bet. I'm going to come back next year in seventh grade. I'm going to do better. So watch what happened. Seventh grade year, I started practicing. I was, I was doing spelling words that I had no business spelling, practicing at home, right? I had a broken leg, so I didn't have anything better to do. Practice, seventh grade year, won my classroom again. Yep. Other kids were like, we ain't even got a shot because Daniel's here. He's going to win this thing. They were right. Won that thing. <laughs> Then I went to the school-wide spelling bee again, seventh grade, won that thing too. Went back to the regional spelling bee, won again. They send me back to St. Louis. Now, if you win at St. Louis, you go to that spelling bee. It was this, this level of uh, Scripps Howard spelling bee. I was trying, y'all. I wanted a trip to D.C. I had never been out of Illinois. I wanted to go somewhere. I was trying hard. Look, that second year, seventh grade, I got like really far into the spelling bee, like top 25, which was pretty good. It was a lot better than getting out first, right? But then something happened. I kind of lost interest. And so eighth grade year rolls around. I was the, I was the oldest in the school, right? At this point, I should like, it should have been a shoe in. And I thought that it would be. I just kind of rested on my laurels. Come on. You know, like when the saints think they have an easy game coming up and they don't practice as hard and then they get beat by a team that's not as good as them. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. So eighth grade, I had a little bit of like uh, apathy and like I just wasn't that interested in it. And so what happened? I got beat in my school. I didn't even get back to St. Louis. So I didn't even get a chance to go to D.C. that year because what happened was I got content with where I was and I didn't really have a desire to grow anymore. And so what happened was I missed out on my opportunity. So, I mean, obviously nine hours of training gets you somewhere that apathy and contentment will not. And what we see in our passage today is we see a group of, of Christ followers that had the opportunity to go deeper, to go further, to go to the next level, if you will. But what happens is, in essence, they are stuck. They're stuck. It, I, I liken it to being on an elevator that can take you up, but you just don't push the button to go anywhere. How ridiculous is that? If you're in the elevator trying to go somewhere, come on, anybody trying to go somewhere today with Jesus? You're in the elevator, but you, you just don't even bother pushing the button. You just stay at the same level. And what we find is we have the ability and the opportunity to grow in our spiritual journey, but many times we don't move past what is elementary. Yeah. We don't move past the basics, if you will. And so statistics and experience tell me that even in a room like this, that there are some of us sitting here today that won't be here in a year, that won't be in church in a year or three years or five years. And, and so the idea today that I just want to, to get in our hearts is that if we don't grow, eventually we will go. And that's what we've seen take place in the modern church in the United States over the past year. We've seen a lack of discipleship and, and the effects of it. We've seen a lack of hunger for God and what happens when, when things don't go as planned and things kind of blow up and, and 
the world around us kind of implodes. What do we do in that moment as Christ followers? Will we push in? Will we keep growing? Or just turn and walk away like so many have done? The, the truth is our faith is like anything else. If we don't grow in it, if we don't work on it, then eventually we get stuck and, and it, it, it frustrates us. Think about anything that you've ever tried to do well. Think about any hobby that you've ever tried to be good at. Think about in your act, academics or in your athletic endeavors or, or maybe in, in just a hobby or, or whatever it is that you've tried to be really good at. If you don't grow, you eventually lose interest and move on to something else. Come on. We, we see it play out time and time again. And so if we stop growing, you eventually lose interest and, and turn and maybe walk away. And so maybe you're here today and you're just kind of exploring this idea of faith in Christ and, and what it means to be a, a Christian. And, and here's what I want you to know if you're kind of in that space. I, th I feel like we've, we've painted Christianity maybe in, in a, in a uh, not necessarily an accurate light at times. Because here's the reality. Following Jesus is a, is a lifelong, continual desire to grow and become more like him. Hello? Like making that, that commitment in an altar is only the beginning. Making that, that, that declaration that I'm going to follow Jesus is only the beginning. And, and look, I've got news for us today. We're all on the journey. Myself, I'm, I'm on the journey. We're all growing. And if we're not growing, then, then we, we need to evaluate why we're not growing. And we need to change things. Hello? Because we've got to grow. Or else what happens is we will go. And so this morning, I want to just walk through these verses and just kind of bring to light a few ideas from the scripture today. We'll begin again in verse 11. It's going to be on the screen for you. And the writer says to, to these Hebrew Christians, uh, he says, there is much more we would like to say. He says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. He says, there's much more we would like to say, but I can't say it because you're dull. Hello? Like, those are strong words. He's, he's actually in the middle of, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the priesthood and, and about Melchizedek and how he's talking about Jesus as a greater priest. Y'all remember that? Okay, good. Uh, I was hoping we remembered. It's been a few weeks. He's talking about how Jesus is a greater priest than Melchizedek. And, and man, he's going into detail about the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures and prophecies. And, and he's trying to get somewhere, but it's, as like, it's like he's hitting a wall. And he's like, uh, I would like to say a lot more about this, but I realize I can't. And it's not because I can't explain it to you. It's because you're not going to get it. That's what he's saying. It's because uh, the problem is not with the author, but the audience. He's saying, I, I have much more to say about this, but I'm going to just press pause and, and go into a little exhortation with you about how you need to grow so you can get this stuff. That's what he's saying. And so uh, th this warning that we see in the book of Hebrews here is actually one of five warnings. Say five. Five warnings in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to give them to you super quick. This is bonus material today. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter two, verse one through four, the author says, take heed. How many of you know that sounds like a warning? Take heed. Hebrews three, seven, uh, seven through the end of the chapter, he says, do not miss his rest. This warning right here in Hebrews five and, and also in chapter six, he says, beware of dullness. He says, you are spiritually dull. Beware of dullness and apostasy, which we talked about a few weeks ago as well. Warning number four, beware of willful sinning. In other words, sinning when you know it's wrong, Hebrews 10. Beware of refusing Christ, last beware, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 29. In other words, these five warnings, I know this is super quick, it's not on the screen. He says, don't disregard his word, don't doubt his word. This one that we're talking about today, don't depart from his word. Number four, don't despise his word. Number five, don't disagree with his word. If you want more information about those, see me after service, I'll get you the scriptures. But there are five warnings. This is the third one. And anytime we come to a warning like this in the Bible, hello, we should, we should, uh, we should look carefully at what it's saying. Like what is the author trying to say and how does that apply to me? So the, the author says, you're spiritually dull and you don't listen. Come on, it's like looking at your kid and saying, you, you, you really having trouble hearing what I'm saying. And, and you want to say more than that, like, what, what is the matter with you, child? Right? The, the Greek word here in the original text is nothroi. And it means they're sluggish, slow, lazy, lethargic, and forgetful. You're not just slow, you lazy. Hello? Nothroi. It's not a nice thing, right? When you call someone dull, that's not a compliment, right? Like a, a sword or a knife is only useful if it's sharp. If it's dull, it does no good. Hello, as, as believers in Christ, if we are dull, we're not doing any good. Come on, we can't be lazy. We can't be content. We can't be apathetic. We, we can't be slow to hear and understand. We need to be sharp, y'all. Come on, if ever we needed to be sharp, it's now. He says, you need to be sharper and your apathy and your lack of interest are causing you to be dull. That's what he says. And then what we see is that this verse is, is really a reminder for us that we have a natural tendency to drift away from God. As human beings, we have a natural tendency to drift into a state of apathy. And, and he says, you're not listening. And then he goes on, he says in the next verse, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the basics. Say basic. He says, you need remediation. You need the basics again of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and can't have solid food. How many of you know the author is frustrated? Look, I'm not frustrated with y'all today. I'm just reading a passage of scripture. But I am trying to give us a warning in church today that we don't need to be slow. And, and if you've been a believer for a minute, he's saying you're not like new converts. Like you didn't just come to faith. You should be able to teach other people by now. And when he says that, he's not saying that they should be able to publicly preach and teach. What he's actually saying is that, 
Hey, if someone in your family is asking you about your faith, you should be able to teach them. If your neighbor is asking you about your faith, you should be able to t- instruct them in the ways of God. If your coworker is asking you about what it means to follow Jesus, you should be able to teach them. But instead, he says, I still have to teach you the basics. And, and he, he throws that word out there that is pretty insulting. Babies. Y'all are acting like babies. Come on. I, I remember teaching in middle school, and I would tell middle schoolers that. Man, y'all are babies. Why are y'all acting like babies? That's not a nice thing to say. I was not probably the best teacher to model <laughs> after, right? So he says, here we are again. You, can, you, you read the, the tone, the frustration from the author. Here we go again. Here we are again talking about salvation. Man, I thought y'all were beyond this by now. And what he's saying really, come on, work with me. What he's saying is y'all are still trying to reach for, come on, you still want this. Y'all remember what a baby bottle looks like. Some of y'all parents haven't had a baby in a hot minute. He says you're still reaching for this. And what you could be doing, whoo, you could have that. Hey, come on. Come on with that nice ribeye. Come on, don't envy. Don't envy this ribeye. It's going on my grill later. He said, you are reaching for a bottle, but you're old enough to be eating ribeye. You could, you could have this nice Rouse's Best Angus Beef. Ooh, Rouse has got that. That $12 ribeye, come on, you can have that $12 ribeye, but you grabbing for the bottle. How many of you know, like, at some point, it's ridiculous to, to drink this when you could eat this? Come on. And he says, like, you're still going after the bottle. And then he says the next, next verse, he says, someone who lives on milk is still an infant, right? Like, you're still a baby if you're living on milk because and they don't know how to do what is right. He's talking about spiritual immaturity means you don't know what to do. Spiritual immaturity, if you're still drinking this, it means you don't know how to do what is right. That's what he says. You don't know how to do what is right. He's saying the consequence of immaturity is you don't know what to do. Come on now. Like you don't know what to do if you're still drinking this. There's there's more that you ought to know how to do in, in this word, but you're still on the basics. I, I can't even get you to like soft foods. Like we, we're not even on baby food yet. You're still drinking milk. And, and there's something even greater than that. Y'all remember parents when your kids were little? Come on, parents. I know it's been a minute for some of us. Y'all remember when your kids were still potty training and still drinking bottles, right? And like they're still peeing their pants and, and making messes and, and, and drinking bottles. And it's okay when they're like two, right? It's like still like kind of cute, I guess. Like, okay, you're a cute kid. I'll, I'll clean up after you even though, come on, let's work on potty training, right? When they get to be four and five, it ain't funny no more. That ain't cute no more. If they're six, seven, eight, then we got a real problem, right? I, I, I just envision that and, and I, I hear the author saying, look, it's like y'all are still drinking a bottle and wetting your diapers and, and like God has so much more for you. How many of you know God has more for us today? Come on. And, and what, he, what he says in the original, in, in the Greek, the word is dikaiosis. Dikaiosis, and it's the Greek word that says the status of rightness. So that last part of verse 13 where he says, 
If you're still on milk, you don't know how to do what is right. The word is dikaiosis, the Greek word for rightness, or watch this, righteousness. How many of you know this book teaches you how to live righteously, to live a righteous life, right? He says, you're still drinking the milk, so you don't even know how to live righteously or rightly. You don't know what to do because you're, you're on the milk still. Verse 14, he says, solid food is for those who are mature, who, I love this part, through, what's that word? Through what, what is that word? That sounds like nine hours of practice. He says, through training, solid food is for mature people who through training have the skill. How many of you know training gives you a skill set? Training here gives you a skill set to know how to do what is right. Oh, come on, somebody. That when you train yourself in God's word, then you know how to do what is right. You have the ability to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That is the benefit of maturity. When your kids are little, they don't know right and wrong. Then they get a little older and they know, but they choose not to do sometimes. But at some point, hopefully they hit that place where they know right from wrong and they do right. As Christ followers, we have to not only know right from wrong, but we have to do right. So here's the thing I'd like to just mention today. Some of us, even in this room, are, I'm going to use the word, stuck. We're still stuck on basic things. And there are deeper things that God wants to bring us into. I just need everybody to get that in your heart today. That there, There's more. Like wherever you're at, no matter where you're at on the journey, there's more. Come on, tell somebody there's more. There, there's a deeper place that God wants to take you to. I, w- I want to throw some words up this morning on the screen and just see how, how, we, uh, how we recognize these words. Sorry, that was bothering me. I have a little uh, cleaning disorder. I'm going to put that right there. So let me throw these words up. Uh, here's some words. Holiness, baptism of the Holy Spirit, sanctification, faithfully serving. I love faithfully in there. Leadership, spiritual gifts, and then uh, end times, right? Like end times, a study of the end times, right? Those are like a little beyond basic. Hello? Like these words are a little more than basic. And and if you look at that list and you're like, I don't know, like half of those. I just want to challenge us. There, There might be more for us, right? There might be more for us to learn. Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher, he said this. It is true of many Christians that they learn very little to any purpose and always need to be going over the ABCs of the gospel, the basics. He said, they never get into the classics, the deep things of God. They're afraid of the doctrine of election, the doctrine of eternal covenant, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. These truths are meant for men of full age, he says. In other words, you need to be mature for this stuff. And then he says, these poor puny babes, Charles Spurgeon, not me, have not cut their teeth yet. Okay, he's talking about this passage where it says there, there's more that we need to move into. And, and the passage shows that how do we get to those things? Through training, you develop the skill to know right from wrong. Through training, you get a skill set to know right from wrong. And that is evidence of a life of a mature believer. Then he goes on in verse 1 of chapter 6 to say, So let us stop going over the basics. 
He's like, man, I got more to teach you if you would just come along with me. About Christ again and again and again and again. I added a few. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to go over the fundamental importance of repenting from evil, uh, evil deeds and placing our faith in God. He's, he's talking to these former, like these former practicing Jews who had put their faith in Christ. And he's saying, don't go back to the old ways, the old covenant. Don't go back to trying to get to God by your works. Put your faith in Christ. He says, put your faith in Christ. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Like he is saying those things are basic. I, I got to tell you, resurrection and judgment is not basic for many people in the church today. That's pretty complex for a lot of people. But the author says this is basic stuff. There's deeper stuff that we got to get to. And he says, let go of the basics. And then he says, I love it. Verse three, I love how he ends. And so God willing, we'll move forward to further understanding. God willing, we will move forward. Can I tell you, I want to move forward. I, I need to move forward in my own life. You need to move forward in your own lives. And we collectively, corporately have to move forward. We can't get stuck on basics. Watch this. I, I, I want to help bring this to life. Now, Brick, go ahead. Bring me Ellie. Ellie's been here a hot minute. She's, she's waiting for some, some uh, little shine up here. Come on up with her, Matt. Come on. Come on. Come on, Ellie. Come on, girl. I know you've been trying to steal the show for a hot minute. Now, look. Uh, look, if I were to give Eliana this, this bottle. Hey are, you, hey, are you hungry? Hello. You like that? Here, hold that. Oh, yeah, there you go. You can have it. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Stranger danger. No, she, she knows me. She loves me. Now look. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, that doesn't look weird at all, right? Like that looks normal. She's a baby. I don't, the lid might not be tight, dad. She likes milk, right? And it is, watch, appropriate. Hello? That's appropriate. Am I right? That is appropriate. And she looks good. Go ahead, stay there, girl. You, you good? Go ahead, drink that. Come on, come on. Okay, now next up, I'm going to bring my son Colin up. Come on. He, come on, give it up for Colin. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Now, Colin is not a baby anymore. This boy, hey, I had to bribe him for this, okay? So y'all, we'll take an offering for that later. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, when he was a baby, I would feed him a bottle. This boy is about to be a teenager. Go ahead. I know you love milk. Have a sip. Just have one sip. Just a little, come on. Just a little sip. Okay. All right. This is awkward. Am I right? Come on. This does, this does not look right. This is awkward for him to have a bottle. He could have a steak. Well, maybe a hamburger. Uh, but he could have so much more than just, no, hold that bottle. That, hold your bob up. Hold your baba, okay? Uh, let me get Ryan. Come on up here. I, I know you're thirsty right now. Come on. Come on. Come on up. She's trying to get everybody's stuff. Okay, come on. Come on. Don't be scared. This is a perfectly sterile bottle, and it's perfectly good milk. You like milk? Yeah. Go ahead. Have a sip. Have a sip for us. Come on. Have a sip. Just a little sip. Just have uh, as much. It's good. It's all good. As much as you like. Come on. A little more. Come on. Engage us. Engage us. A little more. A little more. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A little ridiculous, am I right? A little absurd? 
a little absurd. Uh, Phil, come on up here. Come on, come on Phil. Come on. Hey, Phil. Phil's a big guy. He's a big marine guy. Come on, Phil. You know. You're not gonna make me do this, are you? I, I love I love our military people because they know how to just follow the lead of their leaders. Go ahead, have a little sip. Come on, that's wrong, right? That is wrong. It, it, come on, y'all with me? Like, appropriate. Maybe this, this guy's been in church for a little bit. Eh, probably time to get off the bottle. Hello? Come on, let's, let's make a spiritual analogy here. This guy's been around some time. He, he older now. What are you doing with a bottle in your hand? That's strange, my guy, right? Okay? This, this big guy here, this, it's just wrong. It doesn't make sense. Dude, do you not like steak? Like, would you not like to have steak instead? Come on, y'all tracking with me this morning? This is not where we should be as Christ followers if we've been here a minute. Y'all can take your bottles back to your seats. Go ahead. Come on. Give it up for everybody. Come on. It's all good. I might get thirsty here in a minute. I might have some of that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Come back. Come back. I missed one key thing. I know it's crazy. Hold your bottle. Hold your bottle. Hold your bottle. I need you two right here. Come, come up. Come up. Come up. Hey, this is important. Watch. I know that was a little anticlimactic, but look, they all got the bottle, right? They thirsty. These two represent the people that they need to be teaching. Remember, he said, you ought to be teaching by now. They look ready to teach. They're not ready to teach. They got a bottle in their hand. You ever seen a baby share their bottle? (laughs) Maybe they ain't trying to share their bottle. These two are dependent upon all of these to grow so that they can grow. Come on. Someone else's growth is dependent upon your growth. Come on. Somebody else is waiting on you to grow so that they can grow. Okay, now we can go. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for your willingness to participate. Thank you for indulging me today. Appreciate it. Somebody else is waiting on us to grow so that they can grow. Somebody else needs us to grow beyond the basics so that we can teach them the basics. You can't teach people stuff if, you, if you're not there your own self. So maybe you're saying, okay, we, I get it. We should grow. We should all grow. What do we do? Like, how do we do that? What can we do to grow? Glad you're asking That's the right question. And all of us should be asking that question. None of us have ever arrived. Until, newsflash, until you get to heaven, you haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. You've been in church five years, 10 years. I've, I've got almost 20 years in the body of Christ. I've not even come close to arriving. In fact, the longer I go, the more I understand I've got a lot to learn. Here are a few key ways that we can all be growing. Number one, first thing, start feeding yourself God's word daily. If you're waiting on me to feed you each week, you are malnourished, my friend. 
Start feeding yourself. Stop relying on someone else to do it. That's number one. Number two, tune your taste buds into God's cooking. Here's what I mean. How many of you know some things are like an acquired taste? And you know, like kids don't always like to eat fruits and vegetables and stuff, but they need to eat those things. You know what I'm saying? And so here's, here's what I mean. We might not always want to eat, but we need to tune our taste buds in and learn to eat. Kids might not like a, uh, asparagus or broccoli, but then after they eat it a few times, they're like, ah, it's not that bad. I, I get it. I need that. It's, it's good for me. You need to tune in your taste buds to God's cooking. Worship, prayer, his word, fellowship with other believers. Number three, faithfully attend a place where meat is being eaten. Hey, all right. Hey, uh, sorry to all the vegetarians in the room. I'm just going with the analogy that the author used here. And, and the symbolism is get off the, get off the bottle and get onto some meat. Well, where can we get some good meat? Small groups are starting up again in August. Come on, somebody. So look, we, we've had a little small group break in June and July, but I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm encouraged by the things that are happening in our small groups, the things that took place in our small groups in the spring semester, the growth that I'm seeing take place from individuals in those groups. Look, that is a place where you can get a serving of meat each week. It's like a barbecue. You can go to your midweek barbecue at small group. So faithfully attend. Faithfully is a key word. Surround yourself with people that want to grow and will hold you accountable to grow. Number four, join a team of people who are serving milk and meat to others. Join a team of people who are serving others. Sometimes we just need to move from being served to being willing to serve. Hello? That's a growth step. That's a beyond basics. Like, I'm not just here to be fed. Like, babies just get fed. Come on now. I'm not trying to step on your toes this morning, but if, if you only ever come to church to be served, then that is, you're falling way short of God's best for your life. He has a gift that he's placed in you that you can serve others with. Number five, last thing. Ask yourself, what is my next step of growth? What is my next step of growth? Sometimes we just stop asking ourselves, God, what's the next thing that I need to do to grow? I know that growth in general can sometimes feel overwhelming, but what if we just made it as simple as, God, what is the one thing I can begin doing right now to grow. And then once you start doing that, you add another thing. This idea of training that, that the author talked about, what he's talking about is habits. He's talking about developing habits. Come on, if you've ever worked out or, or trained for anything, you know in the beginning you don't want to run those miles. You don't want to lift those weights, but you train yourself to do the thing. And when you do that, you get stronger and you grow and then you can do more and you continue to get stronger 
and grow more? What if we just all ask ourselves, what's the one thing I can do right now this week, God, to grow? And then we tack on the next thing and the next thing. And before long, we're in a place where we don't recognize the growth that's happened in our lives because we've been making incremental steps of growth all along. Come on. Maybe you're here today and you're just kind of exploring this idea of putting your faith in Jesus or maybe you haven't been in church for a while or you've kind of just been away from God. You feel distance between yourself and God. And today you, you wanna make a commitment to follow Jesus. You wanna make a commitment, a decision to live for him, to be a Christ follower, to grow in your faith. Today, if you're here and, and you're, you're just kind of like, man, I just need to start the journey. I, I just need to begin with Jesus. I need to put my faith in him. I need to ask him to, to make me new, to make me whole. Can we do this this morning? Can we stand? And can we make this declaration of faith with our friend today that, that is making that statement that he needs Jesus in his life. He wants to, to walk with God. Can we pray this prayer nice and loud together as a church family this morning? Say, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. I've fallen short. I ask you now for your forgiveness. I believe in your life, your death, and your resurrection. Make me new. I confess you now as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, come on. Like I said, that's, that's just the first step. And the truth is all of us in this room are in different places on our journey. And, and that's okay, that's great. That's, that's the reality of what the body of Christ should look like. But what it shouldn't look like is we're just staying still on that step that we're on. We should always be moving toward Christ, moving closer to him. And, and as we move closer to him, can I tell you what happens? He makes us more like him. He changes us. He, make, he makes us to be a better reflection of his character here on the earth this morning as we close, I just want to pray that we would have a passion, a desire to be a growing people. That we would have a desire for growth and that, that God would initiate things in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. It, that word author in some translations, it says initiator. Come on, today God just wants to initiate something in your heart. He, he wants to perfect something that he's already started in your life. Come on, you should be excited about that. That he doesn't just leave us alone. He wants to initiate new stuff. He wants to perfect that thing that he, he has already begun in our lives. Come on, if you're, if you're hungry to grow, if you're open to, to just grow in Christ today, would you just lift your hands? I just wanna pray. Lord, I pray a passion for growth in our lives. Lord, we are excited about what you're initiating in us.
God, we're excited about what you're perfecting in our hearts, Lord. God, today I pray that you would just, Lord, uh, Lord, I pray fill us with a passion to be more like you, a passion to grow Jesus. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be apathetic or content in our walk with you, Lord, but that there would be a hunger, God, a desire, Lord, a, a heartfelt desire to grow closer to you. God, I pray that you would authorize new things, that you would write new things in our lives, that you would help us to grow in our giftings. God, that you would initiate new things. God, that you would shake us up, God, where we're content, God, change that. God, give us a desire for growth. God, I pray that you would perfect the things that you've already started in us. God, that you would perfect those things. Lord, help us to identify growth areas. And God, surround us with others that would cause us to grow. God, most importantly, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would affect growth and change in our hearts. God, we don't want to try to grow on our own. We don't want to try to change on our own. We confess our, our ultimate need for your spirit to help us to grow, to cause us to grow so that we might teach others, God. God, I pray that we wouldn't get hung up on basics and get stuck where we're at. But Lord, that we would be able to teach others as you grow us, God, that we would be able to impart into others. Help us to be disciples that make disciples, Jesus, to grow in you. And we thank you for it. We give you all the glory today.